Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. Today's episode is part of our Inside Science series. Our guest today is Smithsonian Associate Dr. Emily Lindsay from the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. Dr. Lindsay will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up. And the title of Dr. Lindsay's presentation is La Brea Tar Pits, Peril and Promise. This is going to be a great presentation. It's really a fun interview. I think you're going to enjoy this. Dr. Lindsay is the assistant curator and excavation site director at Rancho La Brea in Los Angeles, California. And her research integrates information from past and modern ecosystems to understand how Ice Age animals and environments functioned, how climate conditions and human actions intersect to drive extinctions and to predict future ecological responses in the face of modern global change. We're going to be talking about all of that with Dr. Lindsay and more, but no other paleontological site in the world has as great a potential to answer these questions as the La Brea Tar Pits. In the heart of the third largest city in North America, geologic processes have conspired to create the richest Ice Age fossil site on Earth. For more than 50,000 years, underground crude oil has seeped to the surface, trapping plants and animals in the world-famous La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles, California. Over the past century, their remains have helped scientists paint a picture of the Ice Age, a time when saber-toothed cats, mammoths, camels, dire wolves, gotta remember that from Game of Thrones, and giant ground sloths roamed across North American ecosystems as biodiverse as the modern African savanna. Dr. Lindsay and I will discuss what happened to this lost world and what does it mean for our planet today. Dr. Emily Lindsay tells us today also about a actual virtual tour that she will be taking us on that covers 20 million years from ancient seabed to L.A.'s modern car culture. We will learn about the history of Los Angeles, which is inextricably intertwined with oil, which literally fueled the city's economic and geographic expansion. Today, the rich fossil treasure troves preserved in petroleum are being used not just to reveal the past, but to help plan for a climate-resilient future in one of the continent's most populous and biodiverse regions. La Brea Tar Pits is the best and most complete record of life during the Ice Age, a living laboratory for scientists and the global community to engage in and learn from groundbreaking research by Dr. Emily Lindsay and her team and discover plants and animals trapped in the tar pits over the last 50,000 years. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Interview Series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associate, Dr. Emily Lindsay. Dr. Emily Lindsay, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's good me. to talk to you. Uh, this is kind of, uh, you know, a, a dream interview in a lot of ways. I, uh, I'm from California originally, as, as our audience will know, but I... Um, I love Southern California in particular and have a lot of ties and connections. We are going to be talking with you, Dr. Emily Lindsay, about La Brea Tar Pits in the wonderful part of Southern California, Los Angeles. And you are going to be telling us a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. And why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us briefly what you'll be talking about 
for your Smithsonian Associates presentation. And in particular, uh, since we're all on Zoom these days, tell us maybe how you'll be using Zoom to engage our audience. Well, you know, everybody, I know, misses the energy of in-person events, myself certainly included. But I guess the advantage of Zoom is that everybody has a great seat. (laughs) So, um, you know, you really have kind of front and center access to uh, to all of of the images, everything that's being presented. Um, And we recently completed a big project digitizing our collection of historic glass slides from our museum's excavations in the early 1900s. And that includes some really evocative photos of uh, the historic landscape and fossil deposits. So it'll be nice to be able to to show those, um, you know, where everybody can access them and see them on their own computer screens. So I guess I guess there's that advantage. And then, uh, you know, the other va- advantage is, um, you know, ability to incorporate kind of different elements into into talks. Uh, so. Uh, still images and video and, and um, you know, uh, sort of transport people uh, here and there. So that's, you know, I'll, I'll be trying to leverage technology to its best advantage in that way. Uh, and it's really, you know, it's it's a, a 20 million year story, right, from the uh, development of the oil beds that uh, ended up fueling the both the, the tar pits in the Ice Age and then the development of Los Angeles as a major uh, urban center in the last couple of hundred years. And so it's, uh, it's a very rapid uh, transit through time and I think will be kind of a lot of fun and bring in a lot of elements, not only of natural history, but of human history. And then really looking towards the future in some of the uh, really pioneering research that's happening now, looking at how can this incredible uh, documentation of ecosystem change across major environmental perturbations from the uh, rapid climate changes going into and coming out of the, the last ice age to the arrival of humans for the first time on a landscape to the extinction of more than two thirds of the large mammals in this area help us to, as we're trying to sort of grapple with the impacts of global change today and trying to adapt to and mitigate these sort of analogous uh, pressures that are uh, having significant impacts on uh, both our, our our landscapes and ecosystems and also on human society. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll want to talk to you a little bit about that as, as we go on. But let's let's talk for a second about human history and maybe tell us how did your own interest in this work begin? Because I, to me, this is a fascinating piece of land. And I imagine you were drawn to it for lots of reasons. But maybe tell us a few. Well, so, you know, I've always been captivated by the past. I mean, like a lot of kids, I, you know, I went through phases where I was interested in, you know, Egyptology and archaeology, and I I read a lot about these places. Um, But when I went to college, I really fell in love with the study of ecology. And I grew up in Oregon and, uh, you know, had a a childhood and sort of youth full full of camping trips and mountain climbing and uh, kayaking and, um, you know, I I loved nature. I loved animals. And then I discovered, uh, through ecology, this sort of intellectual 
captivation of being able to study uh, interactions and, and sort of the complexity of how all the different plants and animals in an ecosystem interact with one another and with their environment. And uh, the La Brea Tar Pits is one of the few places in the world that really melds these two uh, fields uh, very dramatically, the, the study of the past and the study of uh, sort of ecosystems and ecosystem change, because it's one of the only fossil sites on earth that really preserves an entire ecosystem moving through time and can really, uh, you can very precisely track the sort of changes that are happening as uh, the climate is changing, and different plant species are moving in and out and the impact that has on the different animal communities. And so it was really kind of a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to, uh, to really do this paleoecological research on a very granular scale and on a scale that's really relevant to our current environmental situation. Um, and I, you know, I personally, I had, uh, spent a lot of time in South America, uh, especially in the tropics, um, both uh, studying in college and then working and traveling after college. I had opportunities to work on uh, different projects um, in, in South America. And uh, at one point, some friends of mine in Ecuador took me to a site. They said, oh, well, you like dead things, you know, you'll be interested in this. And they took me to a site where uh, a group from a local university was excavating a fossil site and it was a tar pit. And I was just blown away. I had no idea that there were other tar pits in the world outside Southern California and the La Brea tar pits. And I, uh, you know, became really interested in this. And, and then when I uh, was working on my PhD, I knew I wanted to do field work and I was still really interested in sort of continuing to work in South America and I, you know, managed to connect with the people who had been working at this site and, and got permission to go and lead excavations there. And so, uh, you know, after I got my PhD and was sort of looking for a permanent position, there this position, you know, curator at the La Brea Tar Pits position opened up and it was just such an obvious fit because, you know, I'd been working in tar pits and I'd been uh, sort of studying, I, I discovered kind of over the course of my PhD, you know, there are tar pits in Ecuador, there are tar pits in Peru, there are tar pits in Venezuela, there are tar pits in the Caribbean, there are several tar pits in Southern California, and they're all kind of unique and, uh, you know, different sort of histories of how they formed and different types of material that that they collected. And so, uh, so it was, you know, just a really good opportunity to come and work at sort of the most well-studied uh, and and well excavated tar pit site here, and sort of continue to uh, lead some of this this really cool research. I think for many in our audience, when they hear tar pits, they'll know well. But it really, we're talking about liquid asphalt in a lot of ways. Maybe people might know the term asphalt too. And it's just an impressive site, La Brea Tar Pits the Museum. The location is Los Angeles. Really unique to be right there, almost. Hancock Park in the kind of the center of Los Angeles. Tell us a little bit about that. That's just a fascinating part of this too. Yeah, you know, it is. And and those two histories are really intertwined. So what asphalt is, is really it's the densest form of crude oil. 
Um, and, you know, many people don't know, but the LA Basin is actually the richest oil basin by unit volume in the world. There's about 70 oil fields in the LA Basin alone. Um, and, you know, anyone who lives in LA or has ever come to LA has probably seen, you know, the oil pumpers that are still working. We're still actively extracting oil in many places within the city of Los Angeles. Um, and so there's two things you need to form a tarpe. You need oil and you need tectonic activity that that allows that oil to make its way to the surface. And then when when the lighter hydrocarbons of the petroleum, so things like uh, kerosene and gasoline evaporate, what's left is uh, the asphalt. So that's, that's the sort of densest part of the petroleum that doesn't evaporate and it's um, you know, very, very sticky. And that's what forms our steep. So, so basically, uh, in the LA basin and, and as I mentioned in a few other places around the world, uh, you have these underground oil fields and then you have, of course, you know, in LA or the other thing we have a lot of is earthquakes, right? So you have a lot of tectonic activity and, and you get these areas of structural weakness in the rock where those underground, uh, oil fields, some of that oil is sort of smushed up to the surface and it forms these, these shallow pools or puddles of, of asphalt. And those puddles are very uh, sticky. Like they're so sticky that just, you know, they're, they're not very deep, but just a few inches of it is, uh, is sticky enough to trap, you know, even very large, large animals if they get their feet in it. Um, but uh, so, so we have the oil, uh, coming up to the surface. And that's, of course, you know, what formed the Liberia Tar Pits. But the oil is also a big part of what formed Los Angeles. Um, so the asphalt leaves here, these tar pits have been used for many thousands of years by indigenous communities in Southern California. They use them to craft pots, waterproof baskets and boats, fastening arrowheads to shafts. Um, and so it's, you know, these these seeps have have been known of course by by people in the area for for many thousands of years and we do we find artifacts uh from throughout the holocene here at the tar pits from people who were coming to uh use use the asphalt here um they were first uh documented in written records by gaspar de portola in, in 1769 who was exploring the area and um for many years during the development of la residents were allowed to come and gather the asphalt and they were using it to waterproof the roofs of their houses. And then later in the sort of latter part of the 19th century, the Hancock family who owned the ranch here, um, which, you know, our park that, that the site is in is called Hancock Park. They were commercially mining the oil, the asphalt, uh, and um, shipping that actually up to the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, where it was being used to pave roads. And then that left this gaping hole in the ground, which filled in with uh, groundwater and seeping asphalt. Um, and when we built the museum, we put this, this family of mammoths in it. And so now we have this big, this big sort of lake pit in front of our museum. And, uh, and as I mentioned, you know, oil extraction in Los Angeles continues today. I mean, I can see pumping oil derricks from my house. So it's a, it's a big part of the uh, story of the economic development of this area. And then, of course, there's kind of, um, you know, this irony of, uh, you know, we also became the city maybe globally that's most known for for the use of oil in cars, right? And so, so the oil you know, 
from the 1800s was fueling the economic development, but then in a sense, it also ended up fueling the geographic development of the city as well. And of course, in addition to the oil, we have fossils. And your job, of course, as uh, excavation site director is to investigate these these fossils. But fossils and dinosaurs aren't the same thing. And so there are probably some misconceptions that maybe our audience should hear about with regard to La Brea tar pits. Because in my research, and, and I've, I've been to La Brea tar pits a couple of times as a Californian, there are no dinosaurs there, but there's a lot of other stuff that you've found. That's right. Well, so we do have um, many, many, many species of birds, which technically are the modern descendants of dinosaurs. So if you were to ask a paleontologist, they would say, oh, no, there are dinosaurs at the Liberia pits, just not the big ones from the Mesozoic. But, but yeah, you know, the oil that the asphalt, you know, that forms the tar pits, that that oil is only 20 million years old. Um, and of course, the dinosaurs, the big dinosaurs that people think of died out more than 65 million years ago. And so not only are the tar pits and the fossils and the tar pits, you know, much, much, much younger than the dinosaurs, but but even the oil that trapped them is much, much, much younger than the dinosaurs. So, uh, you know, many people don't don't recognize that the land of the of the LA basin is very new. We were actually completely under the ocean until about 100,000 years ago. And so you don't find dinosaurs anywhere in Los Angeles and and almost anywhere in California as a whole because during the entire Mesozoic most of this land was underwater and continued to be underwater for a very long time. Um so you know good for forming oil beds, which uh, oil is the product of um, the decomposing bodies of little single-celled marine organisms, but but not good for finding dinosaur fossils. Uh, and so the time period, you know, that we have captured at the tar pits, to our knowledge, um, so far what we've found is really only the last 60,000 years or so. Um, so, you know, one one thousandth of the time <laughs> to when the last of the dinosaurs were were walking around on the planet, and it's um, the very end of what we call the Pleistocene epoch or the Ice Age. So the animals we find, the big ones that we're famous for, that a lot of people mistake for dinosaurs, are really mammals like us. So you know they they have fur, they give birth to live young, they produce milk to feed their young, and um, you know, they're the sort of the sort of animals that you think of when you think of the Ice Age. We have mammoths, not woolly mammoths, because, of course, L.A. is very nice climate. You don't need a woolly coat here. Uh, but we have uh, Colombian mammoths. We have uh, saber-toothed cats, which is um, incredibly, it's our second most common fossil. We have thousands, more than 2,000 saber-toothed cats that have been found here. And that's actually the state fossil of California. We have uh, dire wolves, which uh, are real. They're not as big as the ones uh, that are portrayed in, in the Game of Thrones series, but they are, uh, they're a real animal that really existed here. And that's, that's our most common fossil. We have probably about 5,000 dire wolves for you know a 40,000 year period that got trapped in the tar pits we have giant ground sloths we have camels we have uh, bison ancient bison ancient horses um 
And then we have a lot of smaller fossils as well. We have rodents and weasels and snakes and lizards and many, many species of birds. And something that most people don't know is there was actually a big bird extinction at the same time that the Ice Age, the big Ice Age mammals went extinct. There were a lot of large birds that went extinct at that time as well. So we have we have extinct birds. Um, we also have a lot of birds that you can still find living in Los Angeles today. And then we have lots and lots of plants. We even have insects preserved. It's very unusual to find fossil sites where you have you know the original material of insects. Um, and one of the best things about this site is that it's the the material, the fossils that we find are not what we call fossilized. They haven't become mineralized. The material hasn't been replaced with stone minerals. It's still the original material that was in the body of that animal. And so we're able to do geochemical analyses on these fossils. We can get precise radiocarbon dates on them so we know exactly when that animal lived and died. We can um, study the chemical signatures in the bones to learn more about what the environment was like and what different animals were eating. And so it gives us a really unique insight into a past ecosystem and, and gives us an opportunity to really precisely track changes that were happening as we were, you know, going through the last major period of global warming where uh, we were coming out of the last ice age into today. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. We are with Dr. Emily Lindsay. Dr. Lindsay is the Assistant Curator and Excavation Site Director at La Brea Tar Pits in California. Dr. Lindsay will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out our website and smithsonianassociates.org for more information about Dr. Lindsay, about her upcoming presentation. We are talking today about the La Brea Tar Pits with Dr. Lindsay. And you you mentioned climate change, and, and it's interesting. I, I found that there's no other paleontological site in the world that has as great a potential to answer these kinds of questions about climate change as the La Brea Tar Pits. What, what is it that we can learn about the science of climate change from the La Brea Tar Pits? Well, so as I mentioned before, the La Brea Tar Pits is the only fossil sites on Earth that really preserves an entire ecosystem together. So it's very unusual to find sites where you have material from like original uh material of plants, so wood and leaves and seeds preserved alongside bones. And that's because the types of uh, types of sediment, the type of dirt that uh, preserves one tends to dissolve the other. So plants tend to preserve better in more acidic soils, but of course acids dissolve bone. And so um, it's 
the asphalt itself is this incredible preserving agent that has managed to both sort of accumulate vast quantity of material and then preserve it uh, in a way that it can be studied by scientists today. And then the other advantage we have is that we're really able to precisely track the timing of things through through radiocarbon dating so we can track you know when certain species disappeared from the landscape and line that up with what we think was going on um, at a particular time both in terms of uh, sort of global and regional climate change and then also uh, what was going on um, in terms of uh, human society development of human societies on the landscape and um, then the third thing that makes this this site really valuable for studying modern climate changes is the time period that it covers. So, you know, the time period that our site covers is exactly the most important time period for understanding um, a lot of the kind of biggest questions in conservation biology today. So questions like, you know, how will different species and different ecosystems be expected to respond to periods of climate change? Uh, what sort of impacts do humans have on different species and what species are more resilient or more vulnerable to uh, sort of human landscape modification? And then what are the impacts of removing species from a landscape? You know, and it turns out that the time period where we see the large mammals disappearing and going extinct forever uh, from the landscape uh, here in Southern California was a time when a lot of uh, very familiar processes were playing out. We had a period of rapid warming. We had extended periods of droughts and we had significant increases in wildfires. And so, um, you know, these are all if, if for those who live in Southern California or, or have been paying attention to what's been going on in Southern California today, we're experiencing very similar processes. And so if we can understand a little better, um, you know, what factors led to this incredibly large extinction event uh, here in this region, maybe we can uh that can give us some information that can be valuable for for responding to some of these and predicting some of these uh, impacts today. Um, and in terms of being able to uh, sort of protect biodiversity, support, you know, prevent other species from going extinct, you know, if you can track the trajectory of a species as the climate is changing. And you can say, okay, well, the last time, you know, this area warmed five degrees, here are uh, how these different species responded and, and these ones went extinct and these ones did just fine and these ones didn't go extinct, but they moved somewhere else. And here are the factors they seem to be responding to. That can also help us in terms of triaging limited conservation resources and planning for where we want to design nature reserves, not based on where biodiversity is now, but where we predict it to be in a warmer future. Just fascinating stuff. Dr. Emily Lindsay's been our guest. Dr. Lindsay, I know you're very busy. We sure appreciate the generous time today with us. I really just have one final question with you about your love of nature because it certainly comes through in ecology and the study of interactions and, and the, all the complexities around plants and animals. What have you learned while there at La Brea Tower Pritz that's just impressed you, surprised you, and, and thrilled you that you can share with us? You know, I think 
just developing. I mean, every day is a surprise. We have 600 species of plants and animals, and we're always discovering new things about them. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's an incredible resource. But I think the thing that has most surprised me has been this realization that the sort of the the world and the um, environmental processes that these animals, which, you know, seem so, so strange and exotic and far away, we're experiencing is really incredibly similar to the processes that we see playing out in this exact same place today. And just, uh, you know, the similarity of um, what was happening during this huge extinction event 13,000 years ago, and what we as sort of a modern, you know, urban society are going through today. Absolutely. Really blew my mind. If you haven't been, definitely check out the La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles, California, but join Emily Lindsay for her upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates. Check out our show notes for information about Dr. Lindsay's presentation, more information about her will be there as well as more information about the Smithsonian Associates. Dr. Emily Lindsay, thanks again for your generous time. This is fascinating. I could talk to you for a long time. We will save it though for your presentation. Thank you very much for um, give, shedding some light on this because I, I, I just think this is uh, it's good stuff for us to know today. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight talking with you. My thanks to Dr. Emily Lindsay from the La Brea Tar Pits the National History Museum in Los Angeles, California. More information about Dr. Lindsay, as well as her upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates, will be available on our website, so check it out. Attend this seminar. You will love it. My thanks, of course, to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful audience, here on the Not Old Better Show and radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe. Let's not assault each other. Let's eliminate these assault weapons. Take this to heart. We don't need them. Please have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.